0: We could all go home right now. All right, today we're going to continue in this series, uh, Where is God? We've been talking about where we find God, if we always have to find Him in the church, uh, why we want to be looking for Him a little bit in the church. Uh, But today we're going to be uh, talking about how God uh, comes to us in a special way. Now, when I was a kid growing up, my dad would wake me and my brothers up uh, at 7 a.m., but he only did this during the summer months because it was during those months that uh, our time was his. Uh, He was the one that was going to organize what chores we did, what work we did on the ranch, and it was all part of like a little training boot camp, you know, for each summer we were in dad's care. And so he would wake us up at 7 a.m., as I say, and he would do it this way, being a man of few words, he'd come and stand in our doorway of our room and go like this. Right? And he would keep on doing that until finally one of us would break down and give in and sit up and say, okay, okay, I'm up. And usually it was me because I hated the sound of that snapping. Man, I feared it. Most of the time, I wake, woke up before he even got to the door. I didn't want to hear that. Well, the thing was, as as much as I hated that and as much as I feared it, it actually uh, instilled in me a pretty good habit that held me in good stead later. I've always been able to wake up, you know. It wasn't long after that my dad actually passed away, and I had to get up. To help my mother make breakfast and lunches, you know, for my little brothers. Help my mother. Uh, It became my job to feed the livestock, which was an early, early morning job. But I could get up. Even when I was in college, you know, and and as a young father myself, even if there was a voice in my head that said, you know, you can really sleep in today. You can really just sleep till 9 or 10 o'clock today. I couldn't do it. (laughs) I've always been able to wake up. And I appreciated that after a while. The point is, the thing that I feared as a child became the thing that I appreciated and chose for myself in maturity. Now, a lot of people have come to faith and have come to their relationship with God out of fear and force. A lot of people come to church or came to church as kids because their moms and their dads made them do it. They went to church every Sunday, and man, you better get up and you're going to go to church whether you like it or not. Now, that kind of training could go one of two ways, I think. Either you kind of had that in your life, and then after you left, you, you grew up, you stayed with that habit, and maybe even came to love it on your own. Or you became so resentful during those early days that as soon as the parents were off the scene, man, you were out of church. And maybe you drifted back. Uh, maybe maybe you didn't. Maybe you're watching today, and this is the first time you've been in a church service uh, for a long, long time. But either way, I think that if we have that kind of force and fear attitude in our hearts and in our minds... Um, It can stay with us. It can really color the way that even in adulthood, we respond and we have our relationship with church and with God. And that can really be compounded because if you remember, a lot of the stories that you heard and that I heard in Sunday school when we were forced to come to church were pretty fearsome stories about God. One of the first stories, if you remember, that you hear in Sunday school when we first start going to Sunday school is that beautiful story, it's a great story, really, of God working in and through Moses to free the Hebrew people, to bring them out of slavery in Egypt and to freedom and and realizing their full potential. It's a great story. But that story is also, if you remember, full of fearsome elements, you remember, that in order to get Pharaoh to let those people go, God did some pretty fearful things. It says that He caused hail to come down and, and just ruin the crops of all of Egypt, that Frogs infested people's homes, that there was blood running in the rivers, and then the coup de gras, right? The thing that God did at the end to make Pharaoh let those people go was to what? He visited death on every single household in Egypt. Yeah. Striking down the firstborn male, animal and person. It's fearful stuff, Right? And it doesn't end there. And they come out of, of Egypt. They're going across the desert towards the promised land. God lays down laws. He lays down the Ten Commandments, right? He's going to form his people, he's going to train his people to be able to respond to him and respond to one another the way that he wants. And God or Moses goes up on a mountain, right, to receive these Ten Commandments. And the mountain itself is shrouded in clouds and it's shrouded in smoke. And the people are warned not to set foot on that mountain or else they'll die. It's fearsome stuff. And when we have that kind of attitude towards God in us, whether it's in the way back of our minds, or just buried somewhere deep in our hearts, sometimes it's hard to come out of that and make a progression, a transition from understanding God or feeling about God, that it's all fear and force, instead of desire and delight in God, which is what God, I think, wants us to do, to have a desire and a delight for Him. So in other words we can get kind of stuck in our childhood attitudes, our childhood faith, and not take that next step into understanding God in a more fulsome way. And you see this progression. This progression happens even in those early stories, if you pay attention to those early stories. And I do want to mention this, that our Miss Whitney, back there in Sunday school, focuses on these elements a lot more than the fearsome elements when she tells these stories, and I admire her for that. Because along with the fear and the force that's happening in those early stories, God is also doing an amazing thing. He is bringing his people through that desert towards a land that he's promised them. He's bringing them into freedom and their full potential as people. And as he's doing that, he's leading them. Do you remember this part of the story? God is actually leading those people in the form of a fire in the sky by night and it's that fire in the sky that acts as a warning to all of those around who might threaten his people that, no, 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 you don't. These are mine. These are my people. In the day, God is leading them also in a cloud, you remember, in a cloud that that, that hovers over them, that goes before them, so they know the direction to go, but they're also always Comforted by that beautiful presence of God, so as you see, even in those early days, even where there's fear and there's force, sure, God is also coming to those people in a in an attitude of leadership and guidance and comfort. God is all of those things, and the people. Over the period of time, as you watch scripture unfold, people begin to recognize that, begin to appreciate God in a whole new way. Most famously, I think, hundreds of years later, King David, who has a very special relationship with God, sums it up, I think, for all the people. He sees God this way The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. This God who's fearsome and and forceful is now also seen and, and, and lifted up as a God who cares for His people, leads them, guides them, says, "'He leads me beside quiet waters.'" He restores my soul. This God is seen now and appreciated now as a God who brings refreshment and restoration. Even though I walk, it says, through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This God is now seen as a protector and a champion. It says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There is a desire and a delight in God such that they yearn for, they long for being with this God forever. Now, even in those early days when God was coming with such fearsome forcefulness, God was doing a couple of things. God was letting His people and other people know that His love for them was deadly serious. His love for them was fierce. And that's a good thing for us to know too. There are moments when we all need to remember that God's love for us is fearsome. That He is fierce in His love for us. In those early days, still, God also wanted all those people around his people to know that he would come against those who would threaten those who call him God and love him. And that's good for us to know, too, because we all have the enemy, don't we? We have the enemy who comes against us, who wants to separate us from God, who wants to lead us into evil, who wants to make our lives miserable. Hey, listen but God will come against that enemy, amen? Come on. And in those early days, God wanted them to know that yes, oh yeah, I'm strong and I'm fearsome, but listen, I'm also there to be your comfort and your guide and your leader. So just as it is that we can become, you know, Overwhelmed, overawed by the fearsomeness or the forcefulness of our parents, and also maybe those first impressions of God, still, God wants to lead us in maturity as we continue to develop in our faith, lead us to understand Him in a more fulsome way, yes, as that lawgiver, as that creator, creator God who put everything into place, who put all the laws of nature and moral laws into place, laws that, yeah, we, we, we ignore them and we upend them at our own peril. That's for sure. God wants us to know that, yeah, He has given us all a purpose and a real mandate purpose to take care of that world that he's created, and then to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, not only with good and decent people, but with good and decent things and acts and friendships. God has that in mind for us. And yeah, we stray from those principles at our own peril. That's true. But God doesn't end there. God also comes to us, as we know, in the person of Jesus, so that we can understand God even more fully than ever before. That God comes to us in Jesus, kind of the way that we came into the world, as a baby fragile and vulnerable. God on earth came in that way just as we did. God on earth knows what it's like to grow up, grow into adult, adulthood. God knows what it's like through Jesus to be tempted as we are tempted. God knows what it's like through Jesus To know what injustice is, to know what it feels like when we say, Hey, how come this is happening to me? I don't deserve this. God knows how we feel. God knows what it feels like to give Himself fully to someone else, for Jesus gave Himself fully. To you and to me, so that we might live forever, and then was raised from the dead, so that we could see what our future with God looks like as we are restored to eternal life. God comes to us as that Holy Spirit, the embodiment of God's promise. That he would always be with us. That he will right now, today, lead us and guide us and comfort us when we need it. That there's that Holy Spirit who is even praying prayers for us right now. Even the prayers that we cannot articulate. Holy Spirit knows us so well. God comes to us in his fullness in all these aspects, all these persons. And we focus on one or become hyper focused on another at the expense of another to our own peril, really. And to our own inability to understand Him in that fullness. If we focus too much on God, who is the lawgiver, who is the unbending one, or on Jesus, who is all forgiveness and all sacrifice, if we focus too much on the Holy Spirit, who is all nurturing and all comforting, if we're focused and myopic about any one of those three, To the exclusion of the others. Well, we're really making up a God of our own making, right? God comes to us purposely in all three of those persons. Comes to us and calls to us in a different way at different times in our lives. So that we might come to understand Him and know Him in all those different ways. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is a God that we need to approach with respect and with fear. But God is also our friend. And God also comes to us in fellowship to be with us. Oh, what a wonderful God this is. Amen? Come on. God comes to us. all these ways, and I'll say this, that God, where, where we find that God, where we're challenged to confront and to understand and to embrace and to love that God, the only place to really do that is here, that God is here in church, guaranteed. No matter how sincere we are about following God, if we are outside the church, the community that God has brought together to understand Him together, we will focus on one aspect of God or another, either the one we're most comfortable with or the one because of our past we think we deserve. The God who comes to us in fullness is found where we challenge one another and rejoice with one another to desire and delight in that God who comes to us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When Jesus was on this earth and He was beginning His ministry, it says, God incarnate on earth. He came down to the Jordan River to be baptized. He said that he was proper to do this to fulfill all righteousness, to do the right thing. He comes down to the river, and uh, John the Baptist takes Jesus puts him down under that water and brings him back up. And Scripture says that in that moment, as he was baptized, he went up out of the water, and in that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. The Holy Spirit right in that place in and upon Jesus the Son. And then a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. God the Father, oh, a forceful voice from heaven falling right down upon Jesus. And in that moment, present in that place, in that person, for all those around to observe the fullness of God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God in 3D as a reminder to you and me that a mature faith will strive to find that God, to know and love that God. Fearsome, friend, loving to be in fellowship with us. That's our God. That's our God. (laughs) Amen. Next week, we're going to have one more in this series, Where is God? We're going to be looking at what uh, is the visible church and the invisible church and why it's a really good idea to be a member of both. But this week, I just want to encourage you, no matter where you've come from in your faith, No matter where you are right now in your faith, know that God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is pursuing you with a love that is fierce, serious, to bring you through this life and all the way into the next. Amen.